What's going on, guys? It's Dave with Dynasty Dorks. Thanks for joining in. Uh, we have a special tonight. We're going to be talking contract, dynasty, fantasy football. So if you've seen some people talking about that, I know a couple months ago we were talking about it quite a bit, and then it's kind of gone away. Um, we're going to tell you guys what it is, and James is the creator of it, so he's going to tell you all the ins and outs, how it works, why it's better than your normal average dynasty league. And, um, and then we're going to break down some teams and, uh, we got Kyle here as well. So, um, James is going to be uh, very nice to both of our teams and just trash all the others. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Like a plan. But, uh, I just want to make sure you guys, uh, just a reminder, go and subscribe. We got the YouTube channel. We got Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts everywhere. Um, but give us a review, help support the show. Um, and if there's other feedback, things we can do better, please let us know. Um, and then I want to give a shout out to uh, VeridianGlobal.com, um, hashtag rocking the V gear. Um, they're doing 10%. There you go. 10% uh, <laughs> off of any player t-shirt, hat, or hoodie at VeridianGlobal.com, hashtag rocking the V gear. Use promo code DynastyDorks, and that's all caps. So, uh, James, thanks for coming on the show. Just want to give you a second to plug what you got going on. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't have a whole lot going on at the exact moment, but uh, if you go on to my Twitter at WhatMoney3000, that's where you can kind of find what I'm doing. I'm writing some IDP stuff over at Gridiron Ratings. Uh, obviously got this Contract Dynasty League that we're going to be diving into. Uh, also post up my rankings pretty much every month that are big, deep, deep rankings. So if you have deep benches, you're trying to figure out exactly what to do in your dynasty and you don't have just a simple 12-man kind of redraft style when you initially drafted, definitely take a look at what I'm doing. Also follow me because I want more followers and I want to be cool. So do that too. Cool. Yeah, do that. And follow coach Steve, uh, Steve Pintado down there, big, big uh, front of the show. And uh, I know he's talking about doing a contract dynasty league as well. So uh, Kyle, thanks for coming on. It's uh, been a little while. I think, I think it's been since the draft. I haven't seen you. Yeah. I was going to say, I think, I think I came on for the post draft episode, but yeah, it's uh, great to be back and uh, great to be uh, talking with James again. Uh, like, uh, yeah, we've been podcasting with uh, both of you recently, and yeah, I get to talk about this, and uh, I love this topic. Yeah, and we you can find him at Senra Says, oh, and uh, <laughs> he's got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, um, yeah I'll undo that quick. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, co-host the Full Press Fantasy Pod, Full Press Packers Pod as well, and uh, part of Going for Two Live Network, I do two live shows on uh, every second Monday, press coverage, one-on-one interview show, just finished an episode with John Lobb uh, this Monday, and then every second Thursday, which would be tomorrow for anyone watching live. Uh, so June 10th, Thursday at 7 p.m., I'll be live as part of the Dynasty Gambit. So I co-host that, and we just talk about Dynasty strategy theory, usually look at one team, okay, what would we do with this roster? And uh, we'll probably touch on the Julio news tomorrow a little bit, but uh, yeah, I know you've already been talking a bit about that, Dave. Yeah, yeah, a lot of Julio Jones news, and we're not going to talk about it on this show, but you can check the YouTube channel and Spotify. We broke it down. Uh, we broke down how it affected the quarterbacks, the running backs, the receivers, and the tight ends yesterday on yesterday's show. So let's just let's go straight to it. Uh, what what is contract dynasty fantasy football? Yeah, you know it's it's the next step when you are in a dynasty and you're looking to go to the next form, and you're not trying to leave the the total regular fantasy football concept. So you can move over to best ball, you can move over to daily fantasy, but that's totally different. If you've got a contract dynasty, you need to A, have league members who are committed to your league. That's kind of first and foremost. So if you're just pulling together 12 guys off of Twitter, it's very difficult, even though I think I maybe pulled it off. But 
the whole concept of contract dynasty is every single transaction and move matters uh, in terms of weekly transactions, yearly transactions, making sure you have cap. You are running a simulation kind of like an NFL GM, but you're also playing fantasy football as opposed to running a 53-man roster in Madden or something like that. It's a hybrid of the two, and if you're trying to make it as managerial as you can, this is the direction to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a few different contract leagues. Uh, this one is definitely different than any one that I've been in before. Um, just the startup itself was just complete chaos. Uh, I was learning as I was going. Um, it was so much fun. It's super competitive. And, you know, as you're going on and as your team is taking shape and form, um, you're having to make moves because you're running out of money and you're, you spent too much money on this and you, then you got to make trades. And then this leads, this move leads to another move. And like I, my, my team was like a freaking amoeba. I mean, it took different forms throughout the entire, entire auction, but um, I think I got a pretty good squad. We'll, we'll see what James thinks. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And that's kind of the, the whole main point is we did our draft uh, after the Super Bowl about two months after, if I remember right. And already the entire complexion of the week has changed. And there have only been a few transactions. You know, free signings happened, a few free agents moved. But beyond just the standard guys who moved, values have shifted, but the contracts don't. So you suddenly have a guy who maybe is an excellent value despite not being an excellent fantasy player or a guy who's a subpar value despite being a very good fantasy player. And we're not even into the season. Once the season happens, it's total chaos and you have to actually project long term as opposed to just trying to acquire the best players at all times and also kind of thinking about the future. So um, can you just talk about some of the basic rules and, and concepts like what's the What's the roster construction and some and the like the salary cap? Yeah, so the salary cap's $260, and this includes any dead money from when you cut players, so there's no additional secondary dead money pool. Uh, you've got 26 starting roster spots, I believe. You got a quarterback, a super flex, two running backs, two wideouts, a tight end, and then a standard flex. Uh, you also have two DL, two linebackers, two DBs, so we are in the IDP world. Uh, and I also do a team defense, which kind of shakes people up and goes, what? So you can stack your IDPs with a team defense if you want to go that route. And then, of course, you have a kicker, which I love and I know some people hate, but I'll never get rid of a kicker. And to me, most importantly, the bench spots, you only have six for offensive players. So you can't just stack your team and run it deep and then just basically play, you know, mediocre free agents. There's always free agents each week who have value you know, show up and are good. You know, you could add a Mike Davis in the season, you know, after CMC gets hurt. He's not already snagged by somebody. And, and that's important too, uh, as well as you've got three IDP-only bench slots. You've got three injured reserve slots, so that's not a ton, but it's more than nothing. Uh, and then you also have three red shirt slots, which go to anyone who's been recently drafted and has never started a game in the league. So any rookies obviously fall under that category, but it also goes to anyone who's a second-year player who's never actually made a start within our league. Obviously, in the NFL, that could be a different story. So um, the way it starts, you do an uh, it's a silent auction. So can you talk a little bit about how we did our uh, silent auction startup? Yeah, the silent auction is definitely different than probably anything anyone's ever done, even if they understand the concept of silent auction. Uh, for this specific league, it was a two-phase auction. 
everyone sends out an initial bid on a player, and players would be coming out in groups of six. So the first six people are nominated, then the next six as a 12-man league. So say you had J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, four other running backs. You have to make all of your bids at once, and you make the initial bids. The top six bidders of that initial bid then move on to a second phase where the highest bid wins. So you have incentive to actually make your best bid initially. And because it's a second bid winning auction, you have even more incentive to make your highest bid initially. So to explain what that is, you make your initial bid, let's say you're bidding on Jonathan Taylor, and you want to bid a one-year contract for $50. Well, I go and I bid that, and each contract has set amount of guaranteed money. So for a one-year contract, it would be 50% of that contract. So 25 of those $50 are guaranteed which means if you decide to cut Jonathan Taylor, let's say he retires, let's say his car explodes, something crazy happens, you want to move on, you still are going to owe him $25. You can't just cut him and not have to pay him a dime. So you always have to factor that in. Also, players accept contracts via guaranteed money. So if I offer Jonathan Taylor $50 per year for one year with 25 guaranteed, and someone else offers him 52 over two, which is 26 guaranteed, He's going to take that contract. It's slightly more, but it's still what he's going to take. And you're not able to adjust the guarantee. You're not allowed to say, oh, I just want to make it all guaranteed. The guarantees are part of the system. You can't manipulate them. They are what they are. And sometimes you might have to sign guys to long-term deals and maybe eat the fourth or fifth year of the contract when you backload a contract or frontload a contract. So that's contracts. Back to the initial auction. When you're doing the initial auction, and let's say you make it to the second phase, So in that initial round of bidding, you were in the top six. There's a second round of bidding, and the highest bid is revealed. So let's say I did make that 51 bid. Uh, I'm the highest bidder. I have the highest amount of guaranteed money. That is revealed to all of the remaining bidders. So they're all alerted. You have to beat a $50 for one year with 25 guaranteed in order to win Jonathan Taylor. So they could bid 51 over one. They can, you know, just min-raise like um, happens in most auctions. But... The winning bid is actually at the second lowest contract. So if one person outbids that 50 over one contract, they will win Jonathan Taylor, and they already know the contract will be 51. If multiple people bid, then obviously the contract will be unknown until it's revealed. But essentially, the actual motives within this contract league, and it's hard for people to grasp this concept and understand it, but you actually want to bid your highest value immediately. Because if you bid higher than what everyone else wants to bid, then no one will rebid on that contract. So let's say no one wanted to pay 51 for Jonathan Taylor. You've won him, and you're going to win him at an even lower contract. And if you massively overbid for him, let's say you did, you can win him at a 20 over one contract, even though you bid 50 over one. So there's lots of incentive to actually bid like auctions are supposed to be. And unlike every other auction, probably every fantasy player has ever been in, where you just min-raise, 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 and then finally the bid expires. I wish I would have known that before I did my auction. So um, I yeah. kept that quiet for a reason because I wanted to see who would figure that out. I did say my suggested strategy is to bid your true amount. And I think every single person within the auction said, yeah, uh, no, I'm going to figure out the strategy. But the actual strategy is to bid your true amount. Well, I, I will say that I, I may or may not have done that accidentally in the beginning. And then I started running out of money and I couldn't do that. But um, yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go into my team later, but, um, no, it's a great strategy and it, it just, it made it a lot of fun. 
Like I'll tell you every every day I'll be looking forward to a te- you know a DM from James telling me <laughs> what what what's the update you know like it's just like you know everyone loves waiver wires you know whenever the waiver wires come through and if you play fab systems or blind you know auction systems it's fun you know like you're like what did I win you know what did I lose or how, how? and like to to know that stuff and then you know to to not only you see who you won or who you didn't win. But then you got another round of players to bid on, and then you got to nominate six more players. So it was just, it was just, it was so fun to do the entire time, and it was just, it kept going because we had how many rounds of that? Yeah, there were uh, approximately a bajillion rounds. If I look up the exact <laughs> amount right now, I think it was twenty-eight. And also, in a crazy kind of non-typical way, uh, it's kind of optimal to not fill out your roster in the draft. Because the way weekly free agents work and the way the actual salary cap works, you don't want to spend all of your money. Because once you spend all of your money, you have no money to spend on free agents without making a corresponding cut. So it's very counterintuitive to just standard fantasy practice, which is fill your roster up with as many lottery tickets as you can, as money as it'll hold, and then maybe you'll hit one of those lottery tickets. That's not necessarily what you want to do. It's not to say you can't do that, but it's not just the simple process of, Acquire talent no matter what. You have to acquire talent at the right price. No, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, there's like, you know, and I don't, I don't know if you have time to pull it up, but, you, you know, we could see some of the teams, um, you know, some teams they filled it all the way out and they were done like for a while. Um, like Nate was done like probably like with four or five rounds of, of draft picks left. Then there yep. were some guys that were out of money and had six roster spots left and they were kind of just stuck. And then, you know, they would try to do trades and nobody was really willing to take those trades that they were looking for. Um, so it was just, there was so many different strategies and you'll see when you actually see these teams, um, you know, and, and this is not to say one team is better than the other or one team sucks or anything like that, but going through, I think a lot of people were feeling it out and, you know, they got the, they got the hang of it, you know, through the draft to, but teams are just they're just set up differently. Some are, are super young, some are stacked quarterback heavy, some are running back heavy. Um, and you can kind of see how the money was spent. Um, and like I said, there was just there was a lot of trades during the draft um, that that changed things too. Um, so we, we talked a little bit about contracts, but we didn't really go into that. So as far as the contracts, can you just like you 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 had every draft class had a set year. So can you kind of talk about how the, how the contracts were formatted? Yeah. So this is probably the most important part of your contract dynasty league. Uh, It's something when I initially set up one of these leagues years ago, I did not really understand, but you need to make sure the ecosystem of the league makes sense. So you can say, Oh, a max contract is five years. That's what it is in this league. But if you can sign any player to a five-year deal, what happens in the initial draft, is pretty much everyone locks people up long-term. And then suddenly your free agent class in year one, year two, year three, and year four is not very good because there's very few players who are under those contracts and even fewer of those players become worthy of signing. So you need to make sure your ecosystem makes sense. So anyone who wants to attack free agency in year one can actually like go and try and acquire a good player. And so the draft that is done in this contract dynasty league When you're signing contracts, it went by your draft class. So anyone in the 2021 draft class, the Trevor Lawrence's of the world, they're all allowed to have up to a four-year contract. Uh, Anyone in the 2020 2020 draft class, 
they're up to a three-year contract, 2019-2, 2018-1, and then they went in 2017 and before, you could go up to five years. And this creates an ecosystem where every draft class is going to hit free agency. And even early on, if you acquire free agency dollars, because it's operated kind of like the NBA, where if you can acquire a lot of open cap, you can go sign players. There will actually be players to go sign, as opposed to just acquiring cap and then not having anything. And then you're going to overpay a player who's not really worth that dollar amount because they're the only person you can actually use those dollars on. Yeah. And what's fun is the way you lined it up. It's exactly how the rookie deals are. So when Trevor Lawrence is going into his fifth year option, that's when his contract will expire in our league. When Saquon get, hits free agency or gets that fifth year option, same thing. So um, I, yeah, I love that, that setup. And, you know, you guys can, can do this in, in different ways. Um, my fantasy league has it to where you can do cap. Um, you can do salary caps, but you can also do contract caps. So I'm in a couple contract leagues where, we set a cap of, you know, 70 or 72. Um, so like, you know, like James said, if you say, hey, you can get up to five five years, then everyone's going to get five years as long as the cap penalty is not crazy. But we limit it in our leagues to where you can only spend, you know, 70 or 72 years um, to try to keep that from happening mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, um, and that's also why you should have good cap penalties to make people actually think about what they're doing for the future. And it, of course, goes back to that original point where you need people who are actually invested in caring about their future. So you want to do it with your close group of guys. And if you have 12 randoms and a few people bail, it's kind of tough to get someone to take over those teams because the league is just totally a different ecosystem. Yeah. So for mine, I do 20% um, times the years left. So if you give somebody $20,000 for five years and you're going to pay that and you're going to pay that up front, so then if you bail on the team and I have to give it to James next year, he doesn't have a bunch of cap penalties when he takes over that team, and you're going to take that that large hit year one. Um, but, yeah, like, like I said, in, in this league, with the way that those contracts were set up, you didn't have to give four years or three years to people, but it played a, a role in your, you know, when you're doing the silent auction. It played a role in how, how long you were going to, give that that player because it was also associated with the guaranteed money and the amount of money the contract yeah but and that's the, also the other, a, go ahead james i was just gonna say that's also a topic i didn't touch since you're winning it at the second highest bid you might not get the player at the amount of years you bid just so <laughs> uh, i believe julio jones is out here on a two-year deal in our league and i believe the winning bid was a five-year deal when the person placed that bid but the second highest bid was a two-year deal and that's what they got him at so it's almost mirroring the way actual NFL contracts work, where a player wants something, the team wants the other thing, and somewhere they meet, and sometimes the team wins, sometimes the player wins, and you're not in complete and total control, which means when you want to go to free agency, you can't just go, oh, I have X amount of cap, I want to go target this guy, I'm going to throw my cap at him, and I'm going to get him. It's not nearly as certain as that, and it creates the environment of going, Ugh, what do I want to do? Do I want to take maybe a lesser asset at a guaranteed contract via a trade because you can trade cap? Or do you want to go get somebody? It, it creates risk and there needs to be necessary risk. Otherwise, I kind of hate fantasy football. When you have your 32 team, 40 man roster leagues, it's not fantasy football. It's a draft and then occasional trading. I want to be able to, to constantly change while also having to take risks when you're changing. And this is that style of league. 
And I love that, like you, you kind of reference it. Everything's uh, up on on the table for trade: the players, the, the contracts themselves. Like you said, salary cap, future rookie picks. In the auction, you can even trade your nomination slots. Uh, so there's definitely, like, like Dave was saying, through the through the startup auction, a lot of different trades and the different types of trades we saw. Uh, I was involved in one where it's like I'm selling picks straight for cap. I gave up my future second next year for I think it was like eight or nine dollars in salary cap just to have that in the auction and not feel forced. I know there was one bad contract that I had a certain amount and then it, you know per year wasn't that bad, but then suddenly win it like like James was saying in the argument. I put a five year contract on Bobby Wagner, but then it was a two year contract for much more per season. So it kind of messed up my cap a little and so I was able to trade for that extra cap at the end to kind of balance it out. But I know Bobby Wagner is definitely an obvious first cut if I need to on my team. Yeah. And, you know, you could also make trades with trade conditions. We haven't actually seen them yet in this league, but you can make a trade where you say, I'm going to give you my first round pick if Bobby Wagner's a top three linebacker in 2020. If he's not, you get a second round pick. But if he's top three in 2021, you get my first in 2024. You can do anything and you can get creative. And I guess as commissioner, I have the power to veto something, but I'm not going to. I want you to get creative. I want this league to be uh, the type of league where people think, and it's not so much set it and just act normal in leagues. And it, it's very much a deeper dive in just the thought process and how fantasy football works. And, and if you're looking for a challenge, this is what you should be doing. Yeah, I, I love that. And I didn't even know we could do that. I, I knew there was like... There were certain things where like, hey, Kyle, um, you know, obviously I don't want to cut this guy. If I cut this guy, it's going to cost me $8. I'd rather trade him to you and $3 a cap and, and you know, you give me, you know, $5 a cap, whatever it was. So like, instead of losing $8, I'm sending him, you know, Henry Ruggs and three bucks and I'm, I'm getting five bucks back. So, you know, it saves me some money on my cap and you think, oh, well, it's just two, three dollars. Well, two or three dollars that might buy you three players the way this is set up. And and then mm-hmm. to go back to the contracts, you know, I was like really crunching the 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 numbers. I'm like, man, I, I have like six players. I need to fill my roster. I got eight bucks. I'm good. And then I won a player that I thought I had like a, a backloaded one, two, three contract, and I got a three, two, one. <laughs> and I was like, damn it, like completely threw my stuff off. So, um, yeah, like, like I said, every day you were getting something new and I was just looking forward to those, you know, those DMS that said, you know, this is what's going on. And then you could, you could release players. So like in the middle of the auction, I was like, Hey, um, I'm just, I'm really strapped for cash. I got this guy that I gave a contract to that I'm now regretting and you can cut them or you just put them on waivers. And if someone picks them up, then you're good. If someone doesn't pick them up, now you got a cap hit. Yeah, and it's it's also just the same kind of concept of, oh, it's not just cut this guy. I want him off my roster. He's injured. He's ineffective, whatever. It's how can I maybe save a little bit of money because every dollar matters? And, okay, you know, uh, like a Henry Ruggs. Everyone, I think, believes that Henry Ruggs has some sort of value in fantasy football, but no one thinks it's super high today. So who can you trade him to to get some eek of value, just save a dollar or two? And then also get rid of him because you don't have room for him, not necessarily because you can't hold on to his talent, but because you need to get that cap to go spend it elsewhere. You know, in season, there's going to be a lot of that. And the league is all about budgeting. It's all about understanding 
how every move affects something else. In your standard Dynasty League, you make a transaction, and it affects your roster insofar as how many roster spots are being moved on it. That's it. In this league, if you overpay for someone by $2 in the auction, you are going to regret that later in the year when you need $2. It's that intense, and it's that kind of focus. And, of course, it's great when you put this together. If you've got a group of 12 guys who've never done this before, everyone's going to struggle, so everyone's on the same playing field. You're not going to walk in and just have some shark come in who's just going to blast away. I'm sure if everyone in this league could redraft, they would have an entirely different strategy because they would actually see how it played out. The end game, like you were saying, where you thought you were getting a 1-2-3 contract, you got a 3-2-1 contract, killed you because you can't just do an end game like a normal draft where you're just like, I'll pick up cheap players for the minimum. You can't necessarily do that. There's a risk associated with it, and it burned you. And that's what's great. You don't just have autonomy to do whatever you want. There's always a risk with something, and that's the way it should be. Even yeah. the minimum contracts. I've been in some leagues. Sorry, Dave, but I've okay. been in some leagues where the minimum contracts have zero guaranteed. So, like, you you pick them up, and yeah, they they you have a cap hit while they're on your team. But as soon as you drop them, that you don't get any cap penalties at all. But that's not the case with these minimum contracts. So even like, there's not nothing's free in this league at all. Exactly. You do have weekly contracts. So say you just want to rotate in a kicker. You just add who's hot. You don't really give a shit what happens with the kicker position. You don't care about getting your Harrison Butker. Well, you need to have $1 in cap to go and add a player. So if you have $1 in cap, you add him and it's under a technically a $1 per week contract. After that week ends, the player is automatically cut, but you gain that dollar back. Instead of having a contract round up as every other guaranteed contract does when a player is cut, weekly contracts round down to nothing. So you can rotate through and do that, but you always have to have one cap dollar. So if you have zero dollars in cap, you're locked out of making transactions without a corresponding cut or corresponding transaction to gain that cap. So you are able to to make many transactions with only a little bit of cap, but you're not able to hold those guys. And that's key. And you'll find often someone will make a great ad. They'll add James Robinson like you could have last year for week one. He goes off. And they go, oh, I didn't give him a guaranteed contract. And now everyone gets to bid on it. And it's it's just pure, you have so much regret when you make moves because you always have to wrestle between, do I want to lock them up or do I want to wait and see? And that's the key, I think, in all fantasy football. Often everyone's kind of at the same, uh, I guess, fringe point where they're always like, all right, this level of player is always the type of player where I'm not sure. And every league's kind of the same. In this league, there's so many different players that are like that. Yeah, and if, if, if you're out there and you play Dynasty and you're looking for something new, um, you know, Contract Dynasty is, is definitely, you know, you can, you can play this in a lot of different, um, you know, a lot of different platforms. And it is the next level. And, you know, for everyone that plays Dynasty, you got into it because it was the next level from Redraft. You know, redraft is fun and, and redraft is still fun. But when you play Dynasty and you get to have that offseason full of moves, you, d- you definitely get addicted to it. And, you know, most people that play Dynasty that are really in, into fantasy football stick to it. And this, again, is this, this is the next level where you're not only having to go with, you know, because I'm like, all right, you know, like if I said right now, hey, James, uh, you and Kyle uh, – Kyle's offering you Saquon Barkley and you got Jonathan Taylor. It's like, okay, well maybe that's a pretty even trade. And I'm like, well, here's the catch. 
Saquon Barkley's got a five-year contract worth, you know, $20 million. And Jonathan Taylor's got a, you know, five-year contract of $30 million. It's, you know, okay, well now at based on your salary cap, those values are just totally different now because the, the money's involved. And then you also have other things where, you know, James Robinson last year, maybe he was worth a dollar and he was worth a hell of a lot more than a dollar at the end of the year. And so was Mike Davis. And, but then you, you know, you paid whatever amount for freaking Ronald Jones or something. So it's just, you know, it, it's, it gets pretty crazy. And then when you're doing trades, it adds a whole nother element to the trade when guys' values are different. There's contracts. And then now now I know you can add conditions, which is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> you can really do anything. Everything. It's, it's, a, it's a playground for fantasy players to try and find whatever their edge is. And there are so many ways to do it. You could say, hey, I don't care about my IDPs. I just want to go and attack whatever the worst offensive lines are. So I'm just going to add DL2s, DL3s, and just run them out and literally not roster any defensive linemen. That's a viable strategy that can and has worked. I've seen it. And people go, this is insane. You don't have anyone on your team, and you don't keep anyone on your team, but you have success. And it's just a different way to look at it. You've also got you know restricted free agents. You've got franchising on players. There's so much more in-depth with the contract. There's rookie year options that you have to pick up after year one which are not as cheap but as as the main rookie contract but they're also more expensive and less expensive than an actual franchise tag but then you can't actually franchise tag if you use the one-year option every decision has a benefit and every decision has a negative cost and when i say every decision i mean every decision and you can get very lost in it, but you can also get lost in a very good way. So we've we've really broke it down. We talked about why it's you know different or why it's better. We talked about how it works. Do we want to go through some of the teams or all the teams um, and just uh, see how it played out? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, who do we want to start with? You can start with just pick a team. Let's let's go with Nate. I hope True North Nate. I hope you're listening. Let's go All with right. his team. So Nate's team, uh, as the draft commenced, uh, I really didn't like it. He went very youthful to the point that I was just kind of like, you're going too young. Uh, again, you know, as the commissioner, I can be the um, ombudsman or however you pronounce that word, and I can just throw whatever I want out there because I don't actually have a team. And, and I was very much like, you're building for the future. Some of your rookies are going to hit and they're going to be awesome. Some of your rookies aren't. And you're going to end up with a mediocre roster, but you kind of tank your one. And we didn't even get into it, but there's relegation. So you don't want to finish last. It's not about getting the first pick. Finishing last is a horrible decision. And I think that could be a direction he was headed in. But he did get Jamar Chase. He got Javante. He got ETN. Things are looking kind of up. And I think my initial thought process was a little bit wrong. Uh, I will have the same complaint with his team uh, that I probably have with every team. He didn't leave himself enough cap. He's got $3 right now, uh, which means that whenever he makes a move, he's going to have to really think about it. He's already cut Cole Beasley and Hunter Long. And when you have a guy on a one-year or a $1 contract, when you cut them, there's still a dollar. So you don't save any cap. You have to actually cut cap of higher, higher value contracts, which means in theory you're cutting higher value players. So as the season progresses and, you know, let's say his super flex of Jimmy G gets hurt, 
Uh, I don't know how you're going to fill that necessarily unless you've got someone on your bench, which he does with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he could fail. There's just a lot of question marks on this team. I think it's a high-variance team, and it's just not how I would build my team. So I don't love it. Sorry, True North Nate. You're still great, but uh, you don't rank high because someone has to rank well. That's all right. I think Nate was on a show with us before, James. Um, he was. So, so uh, yeah, let's go with uh, Dynasty Dynasty Rich. Is it Rich Island, Dynasty Island? Yeah, so I really like his team uh, up top. I don't really like how he structured his bench at all. So he's got Aaron Rodgers, which uh, obviously there's now a few more question marks. But frankly, I don't have any question marks with it. I think he's going to be fine short term. I'm not worried about him just disappearing. If he does disappear, obviously that's horrible news. He did front load Rogers' contract, which I kind of don't love. I would have rather have had it backloaded, but also he didn't get to control that, so he just kind of got stuck with the contract that was bid, and that happens. Uh, he's got Saquon Barkley on a one-year deal, which sounds very bad because he's going to be a free agent, but also everyone spent all their cap, so there's not very many teams that have free agent dollars for next year, and the teams that do also have cap that was spent this year on one-year deals. So in theory, they also have another big-name free agent. So I'm not too worried about not being able to re-up a guy in year one, or at least today. Maybe somebody will be able to acquire cap over the course of the season. But today, I think he'll be able to re- retain him. J.K. Dobbins looks great. Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, both were at very nice $16 per year contracts over five years. So even if they go belly up in a few years, you're kind of okay with that because it's not much of a cap hit. Uh, don't like Adam Troutman, but really every tight end kind of sucks. So it's fine to just kind of have a lotto there and figure out who you're going to pick in season. Uh, his IDPs are all very nice. No one who I love too much, but he also didn't overpay for anyone. So only got uh, two guys at $5. Everyone else is at two or one. Uh, it's just the bench is rough. He's got Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones, which uh, I guess, you know, you can rotate in since he has Jared Goff as a super flex and I guess can substitute for Aaron Rodgers. So that's kind of nice, actually, that he's got all these quarterbacks. But they're getting paid a lot to not play because two of these four guys aren't going to be playing every week. So it's just kind of rough to not be able to handle any injuries at running back or wide receiver. But when you're in a competitive league, you kind of have to just have areas that aren't perfect. And that's kind of where he's at because his only skill position guys are Gus Edwards, Juju, and Cortland Sutton with Logan Thomas as well. And I don't love any of those guys. I know there are people who are hot on them, but all four of those guys I'm kind of lukewarm on as very much just kind of flex subs versus being that 1A if any of your guys stink. But overall, I'm a fan. I like it. He's got Kenneth Gainwell for $9 a year in his redshirt positions, which uh, does not look good. But, you know, who knows? Maybe Miles Sanders stinks or gets hurt and Gainwell becomes a star. But that contract's probably not going to look very good in the future. Gainwell, I think, was traded twice. I'm pretty sure that <laughs> I got I, – he was a salary cap dump to me, and then I dumped it back off in another trade. Um, when we go through my team, I think I probably led the league in trades. Um, you can pick any random team and just go, go through them. Yeah, so uh, I guess I'll go over to Fans Fantasy next. Uh, so he's another one of those guys who has literally $0 in cap. So he can't make any moves unless he has a corresponding cut of someone with cap, which is a problem because he has a lot of $1 a year contracts. Uh, He does have Lamar Jackson at quarterback with Matthew Stafford as a super flex, which is a really nice one-two combo, but it's not 
an insanely good one-two combo. It's just very nice. Uh, he's got Jonathan Taylor and James Robinson, and James Robinson's value decreased after this draft. So that kind of stinks. He's getting paid 26 a year. I don't mind the Justin Jefferson contract. I think some people might think it's a little expensive at 40, 39, 39, but I like it. DJ Chark at a one-year, $16 per year contract is totally fine. But as your number two wide receiver, it's not that fine. It's kind of a good flex. But, you know, you are what you are. Uh, you got Travis Kelsey, who everyone loves. He's only on a three-year deal, which I was frankly shocked that that's what won. Uh, because you could bid up to a five years on him, and I thought somebody would want to go that route, and the next bid would also want to go that route. So I think the contract actually is kind of nice at 30 per year for only three years, because when he actually hits his decline, you might only have one year of that. So it looks kind of nice, but this roster is just very... Anything goes wrong, and there's no way to remedy it, and that's what I'm afraid of. Like, that starting lineup I just said is totally fine. Yeah, James Robinson's not perfect, but maybe he will be. Maybe ETN slowly rolls his way in. But when your bench is Kenyon Drake, Miles Gaskin, Devontae Parker, Quintez Cephas, and a second kicker in Tyler Bass, which I don't understand, but fans, you you got him, so congrats. Uh, <laughs> you don't have a lot of wiggle room. You're kind of stuck with what you got, and there's not a lot of wiggle room to have any injuries here. You need DJ Chark to be good, and you need to have no one else get hurt. And you also got Robbie Anderson in your flex, which maybe one of those bench guys can come in, but it's it's just not it's not deep. It's top-heavy, and there's not a lot of ways to fix the bottom without getting rid of some of the top-heavy guys, which leads me to be concerned. That makes sense. Uh, I guess since I'm going through them all, we'll go over to Parks, uh, good old at FF Parks. He's a Tampa Bay Bucks guy, and he acquired his Bucks. He's got Ronald Jones. He's got Devin White. He's got Levante David. He's got Antoine Winfield. He's got Leonard Fournette. So oh those God. are all football players. Uh, when the bye weeks come, I don't know what uh, <laughs> what week Tampa Bay's bye is, but whoever gets to face him, congrats. You are likely got yourself a win. Um, but he does have Kyler Murray, who's excellent. He got CEH at a very nice price of 14 per year. Uh, I am by no means a CEH fan, but at that price, I absolutely love him. Jones also is not that expensive. Then his wide receivers, he's got A.J. Brown at only 20 per year, which is beautiful, even if it is only a two-year deal. Uh, I can't imagine that that's not going to reap him a ton of rewards. He did trade for Kenny Galladay at 25 per year, which I just I don't love that deal. Uh, I own a lot of Kenny Galladay stock, and I kind of don't wish I owned it. But also, he does have a high variance level, so maybe he becomes a stud. Maybe, probably not, though, if I'm being honest. Uh, you got Brandon Cooks, who I like at $8 per year in your flex. Uh, yeah, he's Brandon Cooks, and he's not elite, but he just always performs well uh, by the end of the season, so you can rotate him in. Uh, you got Melvin Gordon on your bench, which stinks because uh, Javante rolled it. Town. You got Fournette, like I mentioned. David Johnson really lost stock as well. Uh, Devontae or Donovan Peoples Jones and Herb Smith with uh, Ryan Tannenhill as his other super flex. And, and frankly, he's another guy with zero dollars left in cap. And he's got some highly paid IDPs. He went all in on Devin White at 23 per year over two years, which is like his third highest paid player, period. And part of me goes, that might be a contract that ends up getting moved if he can separate his Bucks fanness 
from the actual league, which is debatable, but it's interesting. I like the team, but again, it's kind of, you don't have any wiggle room and without wiggle room in this league, you're going to kind of come and regret it week five, week six and beyond. Well, you just, with you going through that, I'm pretty sure that I paid more than $23 for Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa and more than $23 for Miles Garrett, but I did move both of those contracts. Um, in all clarity, this is literally my first IDP league, and I had no idea what I was doing there. Um, but I did work the phones pretty hard. I'll be yeah, same honest, here for first IDP D- league, Dave. I like the high dollar values, but only when you supplant them with $1 per year, guys. And no one went and did that move because then you're actually paying for, let's say, two mid-level guys when you combine the actual total. So yep. say you rotate in four other linebackers as your LB2 uh, throughout the season. So you add a guy, you cut him, add a guy, and cut him, et cetera. Well, you're only ending up paying $30 because you pay $25 for the main guy and then just $5 as you're rotating it and finding your, your second guy. And when you combine that, that doesn't look that bad. You obviously have to have a stud, but if you have a stud, it's fine. But when you have the team complexion that Parks has, that $23 per year contract is just rough because you need to find cap and when it's all locked into an IDP, it's going to hurt. But also the IDP settings in this league make it so your top-end linebackers can be a borderline wideout one, a mid-level wideout one if they really show up. So you have the ability to have that contract not look bad at all. Um, I guess I'll move along now over to Dave Fantasy at Dave Fantasy. He uh, was not super involved early in the draft. Uh, I think he was just kind of overwhelmed, uh, frankly, by all the rules, which is totally understandable. And I think he regretted it. And then come the end of the draft, I think he was absolutely in love that he did not sign anybody early on and got to see what to do with his cap and kind of had free reign at the end to spend whatever he felt like spending. Uh, So he got Trevor Lawrence. He paid a lot for Trevor Lawrence, and I love Trevor Lawrence. But he paid him like he's already a superstar, and he's not yet there. So there's a little bit of questions. I kind of would have wanted to go a different direction at quarterback just because quarterback players last for so long. You, you know, Would any of us be surprised if Aaron Rodgers was actually playing five years from now? Probably not. So you don't have to lock up a super young guy in this type of league. Uh, he's also got DeAndre Swift, and then he went with a veteran for his RB2 with Chris Carson which I kind of like, even though I hate Chris Carson for his roster complexion. Uh, I think it works out well. He's got Deontay Johnson, and I know he's a Steeler guy. Happy to have him. Uh, Jerry Judy, I absolutely love at $8 per year. I think that's an absolute steal, and really that's kind of where this league in general kind of hurt themselves as two-thirds of the way through the draft, no one had any money. So anyone who's left on the board who is kind of good got this just kind of beauty deals of $8 per year for Jerry Judy for three years. He got Jalen Waddle, who I also don't love because I don't love any rookies, but I could be wrong, and Jalen Waddle could be a stud, so there's that. Uh, His super flex is Carson Wentz, and on every podcast I ever do, I have to give my obligatory, I hate Carson Wentz, so it's the worst contract in the league, in my opinion. Sorry, Dave, but I just hate Carson Wentz. Uh, His IDPs, uh, I don't really like them that much. He did get Devin Bush at four per year, and I really like that deal. And he got Chuck Clark for five years at four per year, and I also really like that deal. The rest of his IDPs I don't love, but you also are not paying a lot for them, and he has a little bit of excess cap in $7, which I guess in this league is kind of a lot of excess cap because no one has anything (laughs) left. So he can kind of have his pick of the litter when he wants to bid on people. 
Uh, his bench is also full of a ton of youth. He's got Trey Lance. He's got A.J. Dillon. He's got Gabriel Davis. He's got Jalen Rager. He's got Harris and Bryant. And two of those will hit. One of them will be mediocre, and two of them will crash and burn. So I guess, uh, you know, that is what it is. It's kind of like Nate's team, except it's a little bit different in the sense that it's a little more youthful, but not as high-end and has more flexibility. So I kind of like it a little bit more, but I actually like the tangible players on Nate's team better, if that makes any sense. Uh, it's it's always tough to say, like especially after a draft. They usually have a lot of parity, and I'd kind of put them neck and neck. I actually think the, the Trey Lance contract might be maybe the most valuable contract in the league, just considering oh. where his like startup price is right now in trade value. That's got that's one I we're all I think regretting that we don't we didn't bid up that one more. 11, 13, 13, 13 for a four year contract yeah. for elite quarterbacks when we're talking about Lawrence going for forty five per year. Like that's that was uh that was a kind of a mistake on all of our parts. Exactly. So, he ended up, you know, kind of getting that boost in stock and you know the draft happened after our draft for this week and you've already seen some just crazy movement in values where everyone at the time obviously thought that that was the max value for trey lance and in actual execution two three months later we're all like wow we missed the boat on that one and that's going to happen a lot so we got a question so dynasty 12 team super flex it's a 0.5 ppr first of all thank you for giving the context that when people throw quarterback questions and don't say super flex i'm like i can't help you um, so you have Trey Lance. Should I trade Cooper for Ayuk straight up? So yeah, so Ayuk for Amari Cooper. He has Trey Lance. Trying to get the stack right. He's trying to trade away Cooper to get that stack with Ayuk, which helps the weekly ceiling. I know uh, the Dynasty and Chill patron chat really recently, like this month, I'm talking a lot about stacks and those advantages in Dynasty, and it's kind of one of those things where the other person might see it as, oh, uh, definitely a win. I think Cooper's a much higher value player than Ayuk, but for you know, this manager in particular, if they're pretty close in tiers, might as well go for the guy that helps your team's upside more and, and stack with the QB. So if that's what it costs, like if it does cost Cooper straight up to get Ayuk, I, I think it's a good deal knowing that you're doing it to make that stack. James? I actually come from the, the opposite perspective in that I only like stacks when I'm dealing with people who are proven elite. Uh, I don't want to try and acquire a Lance and Ayuk when both of them have a bust rate that is not non-zero. We're not dealing with, you know, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins here. Both of them could struggle. You know, you've got George Kittle. You've got Debo Samuel. I know odds are Ayuk's not going to struggle. I'm not suggesting that he will. But if you try and acquire that stack and Lance kind of crashes and burns early as a rookie, you're in trouble. And not only is Lance in trouble for you, You've also got Ayuk, so it's just a higher risk move. And I just love me some Amari Cooper, so I'm going to pass and want to hold Amari Cooper. Uh, I'm also probably the person who wants to trade for Amari Cooper most weeks because I think he's undervalued. He's still super young. He's tied to an elite offense, and I don't know why people don't want him other than he's just boring and he doesn't have like clear and obvious wide-out one ceiling. But also, I don't think Brandon Ayuk has clear and obvious wide-out one ceiling, so just... I hold on to Cooper. I don't make that move. I understand trying to target Ayuk, but I'm not moving Cooper to get him. Yeah, I'll just, I'll split the difference and say if you're if you're gonna do the trade, just remember he just take Lance out of the equation and just talk about Ayuk and Cooper. Cooper is someone who's obviously rated higher and and ranked higher, so you need to get something to make the difference up. 
So you can, you know, if it, if, if let's say Lance and I, don't necessarily pan out, you've made up the difference and you're not eating, you know, eating that difference. So whether it's a second round pick or whether it's another player to add to the equation, whatever the difference is between Ayuk and Cooper in value, you need to close that gap and um, not worry so, so much about the stack that you end up, we'll say oh, under well, overpaying, you know, for Ayuk. And how long, how long do we think Cooper stays in Dallas? That's a good question. Um, I was actually talking today to my cousin about, you know, the right now we don't really know what's going to happen with Michael Gallup, but I think if anyone were to be leaving Dallas, my opinion would be Michael Gallup. Um, he's, he's on the last year of his contract. If he's going to get a, 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 ne a next contract, he's not going to get offered in Dallas what he wants. So he's going to want to go somewhere else. And instead of losing him in free agency, they can trade him and get return faster. So, I mean, I'm not calling for a Michael Gallup trade this offseason, but let's say the Cowboys struggle and they need to move a player during the trade deadline, they can move him. Or, you know, they, they could try to make a move before the season. Um, and Michael Gallup could be a guy that gets traded. They already have CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. Um, they don't necessarily need Michael Gallup. And you're not going to get, you know, you're going to have to wait for a compensatory pick, even if you get one, you know, two years down the road, if you don't trade them right now. So I would say Gallup would be out before Cooper. Yeah, you know, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, you know, Gallup, what's the scenario where they decide to hold on to Gallup and move on from Cooper? Either Cooper has a devastating injury and they decide to just move on there, or Gallup is just lights out and passes Cooper in all categories. Or it's something in the middle where they're both about marginal and talent. And in that case, you're going to have to cut Cooper and re-sign Gallup, and they're kind of the same guy, which just seems unlikely to me. You know, Cooper's about as young as Gallup. He's not really that much younger where you're going to factor that in when you look forward and you already have Cooper locked up in a deal. Yes, I understand it's expensive. Yes, I understand that they can move on from him. But he's already proven his elite ability, whereas Gallup wouldn't in this scenario. So in a scenario where Gallup becomes elite, he's also going to get paid a ton because he became elite. So is Dallas going to cut Cooper, still owe him a decent amount, and then pay Gallup a boatload of money? I don't think so. So I just think that Cooper's just going to keep on chugging along in Dallas. Maybe C.D. Lamb becomes the number one guy, or maybe he doesn't, and they're just to 1A and 1B. I think there's just a lot of dislike of Cooper in the fantasy community in a sense that he just kind of is what he is, which is a very good wide receiver. And people want to get the amazing wide receiver. And it's just like, he's really good. Teams in the NFL understand he's really good. And I just don't think that there's a high probability that Dallas moves on from him. I think he's going to be there for a while, and he's going to be a very good receiver for a while. I'm just looking at the contract, the way it's laid out. And I feel like for him to stay there, he's going to need to restructure. It's a $22 million cap hit next season. And actually, each of the next three seasons after this, but it's dead cap of six million, four million, two million. Like they can easily get out of that contract after next season. So yep. I'm actually going to take the opposite route and say if they think Gallup and uh, and Cooper are about at the same production, they can cut Cooper next year and sign Gallup to a longer a long term contract. Probably won't command the twenty two million that Amari Cooper will, unless Gallup's you know blowing the world away. <laughs> which at which point they're going to want to keep him if, if that's the case, right? So I actually think Gallup's the one that's going to stay long-term and Cooper 
might be gone as soon as next season. Yeah, if we're talking about 22 and only six of it is dead cap, if they cut them, then they're saving what 16 million. Um, yeah. so so that's yeah, that's that's a lot better than I thought. So the second question before we go on to the next teams, um, so he traded Chase Edmonds for Tanyan at 22nd, a 22 second, and a 23 first. So now he wants to use that 22nd, 22 second, 23 first with Chenault to go get Cooper going for the going for the two Pete, and he has Dak. So he's trying to get the stack that we just talked about. So Chenault, 22 second, 23 first. Versus Amari Cooper, what side? Uh, I mean, I like his whole thought process. I'm also okay with just holding off on getting Cooper and just keeping my 20, 20, 22 second, my 2023 20, first. And yeah, you're going for the two Pete, but that difference between Chenault and Cooper today, I want Cooper. But week three, I might want Chenault. Uh, I like him that much, and I don't think that they're that far off. And I think that those draft picks are only going to raise in value versus decrease in value as the season moves along. So I think you can exercise some patience and not move that. The first half of the deal of trading Chase Edmonds for that Tanyan, a 2022 second and a 2023 first, is an absolute no-brainer. Pull the trigger even if you have nothing else lined up. He already did that. that. Yeah, so that that I didn't even realize that was past tense. Job well done there. And if you want to do that Cooper deal, I think it's right down the middle. Uh, my personal just thought process in general is when you're trying to line up this elite, perfect roster in the offseason, what happens is you do, you pay whatever you pay, and then come week two or week three, you have some sort of hole because whatever happens, happens, and now you don't have the assets to go fill that hole. Whereas if you just hold on to Chenault, the difference between him and Cooper hitting or missing is about the same, in my opinion, and I think that you can just hold on to those assets and acquire what you need to acquire at a later date when you have a more clearly defined knowledge as to what you need. Yeah. And if you, if you're going to go with that, like Chenault plus 22 second, 23 first, I think you can get a better player than Amari Cooper for that, for that package. So I I know you want to get the stack, go for CD lamb instead. um, If you're going to go for that stack. Um, But I just, I think there's better players you can get than Cooper um, even though, you know, we did talk about Cooper is kind of underrated. He still is someone that, you know, he just comes and goes where he'll have two good weeks and then a bad week. And then he'll have two bad weeks and a good week. Um, it's not necessarily 50, 50, but it's, it's definitely not, um, he's not a consistent wide receiver one. And he almost, you know, 25 or 40% of the time will be a wide receiver two or three. And it really does, you know, it's, it's hard to predict. Heck, I mean, even go cheaper back to Michael Gallup. I th- I wonder if, you know, you give up Chenault and maybe the second, you can hang on to that extra 23 first who, to a manager who now has Chase Edmonds wondering, you know, considering that price, I wonder if they're relying on Chase Edmonds. That's that's probably a really good first to have. Uh, my question to Michael is, do you have your own first in 2023? Because I think I'd rather you sell your own first in 23 and hang on to this other person's first that you've given Chase Edmonds to again, assuming that they're relying on Chase Edmonds. That's a team that I want to get the, that team's first because I think that might be a team that's struggling. So, yeah, and I don't know if he's dealing with the same team. Um, so yeah, it's only June, so I might wait it out. Um, the Edmonds deal was done prior to Connor's. Yeah, that one worked out pretty nicely. <laughs> um, yeah. So well done, Michael. Thanks for uh, you know, thanks for joining the show and. If you have any more questions, just let us know. Um, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Dynasty Dorks. 
or at Senra says for Kyle and at what money 3000 for James, you know, um, just send your questions either on YouTube or on Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, just that. I love the Edmonds trade. That was really smart. Um, people that are buying really high on Edmonds right now are being very short sighted. Um, and then uh, I like Chanel and, you know, we can go through my team now because um, I got Chanel. And I think when we talked earlier about the Judy deal, I was just like, what? When I got Chanel at the price, um, I thought that was one of my um, one of my best contracts. Yeah, true. I'm looking at it right now. Four dollars yeah, over know, three years. Yeah, uh, I agree completely. That, sh- that Chenault deal is just it's icing on the cake. You know, there's still some free agents in this league right now uh, as rosters are currently closed. Just because I'm not running weekly free agents this year, going forward, I will be. But there are some good wide receivers out there, and a guy like Chenault fell not because of a lack of talent, but because everyone else kind of filled up their wide receivers. People maybe overspent on a Darnell Mooney. Sorry, Jesse Moeller, but you did. Uh, and right off the bat, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they went and they targeted a guy thinking this is a good value, and they didn't understand where all the money was eventually going to get allocated. And that's okay because nobody knew, so it's fine. But now looking at that contract, that's a cuttable contract, even if you have to take some, some cap hit with it because he also doesn't have any money. And you've got guys like Chenault sitting there like that. So I would have been very okay with trying to bid on a guy like Chenault, getting him at that contract, and having my conditional cut of Mooney and still netting a decent profit. Uh, I think a lot of people in this league are also just going to have to learn over time that you're going to have to cut ties with guys and take losses. It's, it's very difficult, especially coming from other types of leagues, where you go, I'm going to have to eat the loss here. There was a sunk cost. My transaction did not work out. I'm going to have to move on, and I'm going to have to move on before the player is at absolute bottom. Darnell Mooney is not at the absolute bottom, but with that contract, if he needs to make a move, he's going to have to cut him, and making the move sooner rather than later is going to feel good, even though you don't want to make the move. So, uh, so yeah, let's, uh, let's go into my team. Uh, James, you can rip it apart. Do whatever you need to do. All right, so uh, let's go in and take a look at the Dynasty Dorks squad. Uh, first of all, uh, you only got $1 in cap left, so you're like everyone else in that you have no money. Uh, you do have Kirk Cousins as your main QB, and he's, I'd say, maybe slightly overpaid, but that's just because he's front-loaded, and again, you didn't control that, so that's not really your fault. I think the actual total dollar amount's totally fine at 95 for 5 Cam Akers is kind of a lot, but also he is young, and he's in that Todd Gurley role, and I also love Cam Akers. So at 80 over three, it's not the worst. Again, it's a little bit front-loaded, and that's kind of where you run into problems with not having money, but it's also not your not your choice. You don't get to choose whether that's front-loaded or back-loaded. You just sort of signed it. Uh, the Derrick Henry contract is where I go, I hate this contract, and you traded for this contract. So I know you were making moves when you acquired it, and you were trying to just free up some money, but my God, do I really hate Derrick Henry for five years. Uh, it could be very nice short term. Maybe you can flip it and you know get some great value because someone needs to go win a championship and they're willing to take it on. So long as you pay the short term, they'll eat the long term. But I just I I don't like that. Uh, Tyreek Hill honestly is fine at his contract. I know he's also a guy you acquired, and the person you acquired him from was just trying to get rid of him due to the contract size. But one sixty five over five, which is thirty five for the first three years, thirty for the last two, is not too expensive. It's fine. It's just the the secondary people in this league 
the Kenny Galladay's of the world got overpaid and things look a little bit too close when they just shouldn't be overpaid like that. Uh, also love DK Metcalf, so that wide receiver core is beautiful. And Odell Beckham at $2 per year is just money, along with Chenault on your bench. And even Hollywood Brown, I don't love him at $4 a year, but honestly, the contract's fine. It's just the way the rest of the league ecosystem is that it seems like it's a lot, but it's totally fine. Uh, you've got Kittle at tight end, who is my TE1, so I can't complain about that at all. It's really good. Your super flex is Sam Darnold, and I, I don't like that. But he's also at $4 a year, so it's not like you overpaid for him. But also, I don't want to start Sam Darnold in any capacity if I can avoid it. And in theory, you could have. And you acquired Andy Dalton to be that other option, which I I got Zach Wilson. I got Zach Wilson. Yeah, I was going to say you got Zach Wilson, so that's there. But you also are going to have to make a transaction in order to get Zach Wilson on your active roster because he's currently a redshirt, which is fine. And Andy Dalton's going to be the one who moves. I don't, I don't hate the acquisition of Andy Dalton because at the time of the draft, there Justin Fields was not on that team. Uh, the fact that you ended up with Andy Dalton for five years really stinks because you're going to have to look at that contract in four years and go, I signed Andy Dalton four years ago, and now I'm still paying him. That's never a fun feeling. I've experienced that many times. Uh, your IDPs, I'm also not in love with, but you also just didn't invest a lot in there because you moved away your high value guys. So you can acquire guys who are cheap and you know at a dollar per year, but you're going to have to cut Dalton uh, in order to acquire the cap necessary to do that. And then you don't really have anyone else who's going to acquire you cap when you cut them. You kind of got Hollywood Brown, who's at four. You got James Conner at four. So those guys will each net you $2. Andy Dalton will net you $2. If you cut Corey Littleton, he'd net you $1, which is kind of not worth it. And it just, again, you kind of had the same problem a lot of people have, which is in-season transactions are going to be tough, and it's going to be difficult. And I don't really know where you're going to be able to make it up outside of trades, and I don't really know who's going to be able to take on some cap. So you're kind of mm-hmm. locked in. But, I again, it's kind of a I like what you're locked into, but the second Sam Darnold gets hurt, what are you doing? You, you're, you're in a tough spot. So it's, I mean, again, you do have Zach Wilson who's going to come up and he'll be fine. I keep kind of forgetting him. So it's not as bad as it looks. I, I like the team overall. You're probably in my fifth or so ranking. I don't have exact rankings, but you're, you're around there fourth, fifth, something like that. All right. I can handle that. I can handle that. And yeah, um, moves are moves will be done. Don't worry. Since our last conversation, I've already thought about moving Derek Henry. So, um, <laughs> Hopefully none of the guys are watching the show. So let's talk about. I mean, Kyle. I'm, I am. <laughs> let's talk about Kyle's team. Um, and then uh, Kyle, if you want Derrick Henry, um, I heard James really loves him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just edit that audio straight out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so let's go into Kyle's team, and then any other team that you thought was just like your favorite team, or like, and then we can get out of here. Gotcha. So uh, looking at Kyle's team, he paid an absolute boatload for Patrick Mahomes. He's getting paid $50 this year, and it's going to be a slow decrease down to $30, losing $5 per year, so $200 over $5. And that's a lot of money. But it's also Patrick Mahomes, and he's as close to a sure things as you can possibly find within fantasy football. And in 2025, he absolutely should be a stud. I'll be shocked if he's not. And I love the contract. You pay to get elite guys, and you paid to get him. And it's it's in my book as a great one. 
Same thing with CMC. He's getting paid 34 per year, which is a lot. It's over five years. A lot of people are kind of like, eh, he's a little bit older. Yeah, maybe in the fifth year he isn't so hot. But also, you're getting a stud, you're locking up a stud, and it's very possible that come the fourth year of that deal, that's when things start to look ugly, and then the fifth year, they're actually ugly, and you can eat a year. It's okay to eat a year. Something a lot of people probably didn't think about when they did this league is it's okay to actually eat a year. You paid the guy in the last year to understand that, yeah, he might not be on my roster, and that's okay. So I like that. I love that. Sorry, Dave. James, especially at only – uh, 25% guaranteed uh, years three, four, five. I'm I'm used to leagues where it's it's 50% every year. Like year five, you're still paying that 50% guaranteed. So I also was a little more willing to spend big, knowing that okay, yeah, these these five years, like if I only have to eat 25% of the cap, it's yeah. You know, maybe if I if I do that too much, <laughs> it'll it'll accumulate. But well, we also might have a rules clarification right now, but it's it's 50% in that current year. So next year. The year one and year two of CMC's contract will be 50%, and then year three and year four will be 25%. So if you do cut him in his last two seasons, you're going to be paying 50% of each year. If you cut him after his third year, then you'll only pay 25% for that last year. So as it cycles through, it's always 50% of the current year, 50% of the next year, as opposed to 50% of year one and 50% of year two. So it's Mm -hmm. a slight difference, but also with CMC, you're probably fine, so it really doesn't apply to him, in my opinion. Uh, You also got Dalvin Cook at three years for 30 a year for the same contract as Travis Kelsey. I like it a lot more on Dalvin Cook, so Mm -hmm. that says what it needs to say right there. Curse Godwin at 11 per year. I, I just stuttered over my words because it's 11 per year for Chris Godwin. That's an absolute steal. Same thing with Cooper Cup at $30 over five years at six per year. I hate Cooper Cup. I never want him on my team. I feel like he gets hurt and he's just like an ugly PPR guy, just a, a rich man's Cole Beasley. But at that price, I'm investing in him 10 times out of 10. Uh, you got yeah, Joe Mixon. I was I was definitely very upset, and I was straight in Kyle's DMs immediately after <laughs> Cup was one. I was like, "Dude, what do you want? What do you want?" Like, I I, I, want I didn't even know I won him when I read that message. Like, oh, I guess I won Cooper Cup then. Yeah, and yeah. what's nice is you've got Chenault. He's got Cup. They're two massively underrated players. One of them's more on his younger end of the years. One of them's more on his guaranteed production end. And you can maybe find an agreement there as the commissioner trying to facilitate transactions. Yeah. <laughs> I do kind of like I, the guaranteed production, though. <laughs> that, that is true. And you have the two two years on the back end with Cup that you don't have with Chenault. So even if you have to cut him and you're in that year, you're only paying him $3 in dead cap. It's not very That's much. True. He makes uh, a good point. Just saying. To keep going with Kyle's roster, he's got probably my biggest man crush in fantasy football, even though I don't think I should be, and it's Joe Mixon uh, at 84 a year, 18, 18, 16, 16, 16. That's just you're printing money at that price because even if Joe Mixon stinks in by year three, you don't have a huge cap hit, and that's kind of the type of contract you want to pay guys like Joe Mixon because you have the high-end reward, and if things bust and go horrible, you're kind of okay with it. You got Tom Brady, who also seems kind of overpaid at three years at 2020-10, but it's also Tom Brady, and I've just learned to stop doubting that he will do things. I just, I will, I've decided I will be wrong when he actually stinks versus predicting that he stinks and he isn't. So that's totally fine. 
Your IDPs are also very nice. You got Khalil Mack, who has dual eligibility on sleeper, which is beautiful. Zach Cunningham's just kind of a beast who just gets production and should get production at least moving forward in the short term. Bobby Wagner, who again is kind of overpaid, but also Bobby Wagner. So he's very nice. And if you don't need to make a move, you're fine with him. You got Jabril Peppers, another guy who's a hybrid guy who can play DB. Same thing with Jeremy Chin. I like all these guys so long as they maintain their eligibility. Your bench, you got Taysom Hill and Big Ben. Combined, you're paying them 10 a year for the next five years. It sucks that they're for the next five years, but also maybe it doesn't. Maybe Taysom actually nets you some nice little value. I like Taysom. I don't like Jameis in New Orleans. So you built a team that I like. We finally get to a player I hate, which is Michael Pittman, because I hate everyone on the Colts. I think I've just learned that. So that's an ugly contract to me, but it's only six per year, so it's really not that big of a deal. And again, I'm kind of beating a dead horse. But all the contracts I don't like on your team, if they go belly up, they're going belly up at such a cheap rate, it's fine. Uh, you also got, you know, McCole Hardman. You got Preston Williams. You got Jared Cook. A bunch of guys who I just don't like. But again, I can be wrong. And if you hit, you hit gold. And if you don't, you actually can cut cap and gain cap, which is kind of a key. It's why going the stars and scrubs route doesn't necessarily work. Because if you have those stars, you have to cut a star in order to get another scrub. Whereas in your case, you don't. So if Miko Hardman stinks, you cut him, you're going to net yourself $3, which can be four players if you go a dollar per year. And you also have $3 left in cap, which again, not a lot. But for this league, seems like it's a lot. I love your team, Kyle. Uh, you're at the top. Uh, I hesitate to give anyone the clear number one top target you know, ace guy, but I think you're there, and the only person who might have you is good old C. Williams NFL, who yeah. also employed kind of the same strategy as you, which is just wait and then dominate at the guys who you can wait on. Yeah, I went in with the clear plan of I, w- I knew I wanted to spend big on my first quarterback, probably spend big on both top running backs, in this case McCaffrey and Cook. So I felt the receivers would be cheaper towards the end, and I was correct with Godwin. For a bit there, Pittman and Cole Hardman in my two receiver spots. Starting was a little nervous, but I was patient enough to wait it out. And I was a little mad at that Michael Thomas one, actually. I was, I was really targeting him. Yeah, you uh, know, but, uh, I was going to say, if I was in this league and I had all of this knowledge, because I obviously retain a lot more knowledge because I'm running the league, I would have employed the same strategy as you, which is I would have targeted whatever stud I wanted very early, and then I would have just sat there. And I would have sat, and I would have probably not signed anyone from rounds three to rounds 15, 16, 17, something like that, and then I'd start picking people off. And I would also employ the strategy of I would have wanted Mahomes absolutely as my 1-1, and I would have paid the moon to get him. And then I may have not gone necessarily with top running backs like you did, but I think that that's the right strategy over going top receivers because there's almost always a receiver that shows up late, and there's always so many good receivers relative to running backs that you just you built a team constructed the way that I would build it, which is probably why I like it so much. Yeah, I like yeah. it too because I built it the way I kind of envisioned it to be built. So like, I, I was pretty I def- happy with the execution. Sorry, Dave. I definitely had won some players that were part of my strategy that I ended up having to trade. Um, my quarterback plan was definitely not to have – Kirk Cousins as my QB1. I had Justin Herbert, but I, again, ran into some money issues and had to figure it out. That's how I ended up with Derrick Henry. Um, you know, I had Jamar Chase, um, but, you know, I had to had to make some moves. And I think ending up with Tyreek Hill uh, was not a bad thing. Um, but, again, 
yeah, it, it's it's one of those like you you get guys that you like, you're really happy, and then you look at your roster and think, man, we got to make some moves, and nobody really wants to to buy Miles Garrett, but they definitely want to buy Justin Herbert. So, you know, and then the draft is moving. Everything is very. Um, there's a lot of balls in the air at the same time. So, like you have. The six guys that got nominated yesterday got initial bids going on today. You got the six guys that were nominated two days ago. They're getting their second rounds of bids. And then you got to think about the six guys that you want to nominate or, you know, one of the six guys you want to nominate for the next round. So there's just a lot of balls in the air at the same time. So you have to make moves quick. And that's where you can get caught. You know, like I said, if I did it again, Justin Herbert would have sat on my team. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, you know, who cares? You know, my second quarterback would have been, you know, it, it would have been a lot different, um, but moved him to make some moves. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, not, not a fan of my quarterbacks, but a uh, big fan of my running backs and receivers. Uh, I'm a little upset. James did not mention my, my rookies. Uh, you know, I, I know he doesn't like rookies, but uh, I was a little, I was very, very happy with my rookies. And then in the draft, I was also thinking about my contract league going, Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall, happy, happy, happy with that. So yeah, I'll just I'll defend myself slightly in saying I like them. That you know, as rookies, you got them at great prices. They should give you return because you got them so cheap. But also, when you're going to unredshirt them and you already have an elite wideout core, you've kind of put yourself in a box where you got to make a trade. And with my experience in these leagues, making trades is very difficult because you've got values all over the place. Yep. And you can you can find yourself some gems of trades. We've already seen them, but you also can find yourself wrecking yourself at the same time. And it's just, I'm like, oh, I would have liked it a lot more if you had some running backs there instead of receivers, but you've given yourself options, and options is what you need in this league. If you don't have any options and you have a junk roster, you're in trouble. Yeah, I will say that my my Mike Davis share dodged a bullet in the draft, and uh, I will be starting Mike Davis over Sam Donald in my uh, Superflex most likely. <laughs> so um, any other teams you want to mention before we head out? Yeah, you know, uh, I will give uh, good old C. Williams uh, NFL his shout-out. I'll just run through his team quickly. He's got Russ Wilson, Josh Jacobs, Kareem Hunt, Devontae Adams, Terry McLaurin, Brandon Ayuk, Dallas Goddard, Joe Burrow as his starters. I love everything about that except maybe running back, but you can always find running backs because that's where you find the most people, the most turnover. So everyone else seems kind of like they're a lock to be good and be good for a little while as opposed to just one year. His IDPs are just absolutely the best. Chase Young, Brian Burns, Roquan Smith, Isaiah Simmons, Buda Baker, Jesse Bates. Simmons is the only guy I don't love, but he's also young and just probably going to be a star. He's also got $4 in cap that he can play with. He's got Cam Newton as a beautiful third QB, in my opinion, at only a dollar per year. He's got Damian Harris at $10 a year, so I don't really love him. But also, he's the guy that you can cut if he stinks, and you can actually attain some more cap. And that's a that's an interesting thing that I kind of keep hitting on. But you can if you overpaid somebody, but you didn't overpay him too much, and they're still relatively cheap, they're actually nice in that they're hidden value in attaining cap if they fail. It's kind of weird. The worst thing is when you have someone who's not good enough to cut you, or <laughs> who is too good to cut but not good enough to play. So yeah. you kind of want guys to actually fail as opposed to just be mediocre. Or, you know, you could cut them and then re-sign them to a cheaper deal. That's a totally viable move as well. 
but he's got Damon Harris. He's got Jamal Williams. He's got Jamison Crowder. He's got Will Fuller at only $3 a year for five years. He's got Michael Carter, Brevin Jordan, Jalen Phillips, and then Mac Wilson. Uh, those names will really tail off at the end. But, you know, it's not about filling up your bench today. It's about filling up your bench in the season. And I just really like the top heaviness. And unlike a lot of other teams, I think he has the ability to attain cap and go get guys when he wants to. And frankly, he probably doesn't have to fill very many holes unless there are injuries. So I really like what he's done. He's going to go neck and neck with Kyle for my 1A, 1B. And we'll see how wrong I am as the season progresses. And Christian's also part of going for two. I know Nate is the, as well. Christian's part of the Devi Royale. So I know he's really into the rookie evaluation uh, college. So, to, uh, you know, every, I think that's a weekly show for going for two. So every Tuesday night, check out the Devi Royale. On Absolutely. Yeah. And, and another thing was fun was, you know, the, the winning bids were announced on live on Twitter. So, you know, I, I get to see reactions and things like that. And, I know um, one guy that I, I 100% overpaid for, but he was kind of my guy going into the draft. It was Jamin Davis, and um, I paid a lot for him. I waited until my last, very last nomination to use on him. Just actually traded for a nomination just because the guys were like, they're like, well, they were throwing up like Kyle Center up there. I'm like, wait a minute, well, James, what's going on here? People are nominating people that are not getting bids. He's like, they're doing that on purpose. I'm like, damn it. I'm like, all right, I'll give you like a, a 2025 fourth for your next nomination. Got Davis, paid a lot, and instantly got a DM from, um, you know, from uh, I think Thomas uh, was like, damn you. Like, I, I wanted him <laughs> so bad. So um, I know he's probably someone I could trade because uh, he really, really wanted Jamin Davis. Yeah, that was happy. I think that, that happened three times in the same day where someone gave up a nomination for a fourth. And for those of us that were kind of like at that point, I think my team had been filled up pretty much. And I was like, well, nominations, this is useless to me. I'll use the fourth. But for someone trying to build their team, oh, this fourth doesn't really do much. I need those nominations. So it was it at a weird spot where there was, you know, it, it happened, I think, again, three times. So there was, you know, three different people on each side willing to, to make the other trade. Uh, thinking it was like, I know for me, it was no brainer. And I felt you on the other side, Dave, for you, it was a no brainer too. So that was the other thing about this league. It's there's always, seems like there's always an angle, no matter what angle there is, there's always someone on the opposite end that can help facilitate that trade. Exactly. Yeah. I think there's probably a lot of people out there going, you traded a draft pick for a nomination. You're an idiot. And if you look at this league, it's not at all like that. Nominations have value. You can yeah. do strategy anywhere and the strategy matters. And that's why I love the style of this league because someone's going to find some strategy that I haven't found before and I'm just going to fall in love with it. But I, there are so many different ways. There are so many different concepts that I haven't even said yet because I've dove so deep into this that I'm just waiting for someone to discover and go, oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and what happened, and it wasn't just for one nomination. I think it was for two or three. Yeah. And one person did it and then I was like, why'd you do that? And he told me, and I was like, Oh, good idea. So then I did it. So then like, it was nice. Cause every round you, you know, it goes six, 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 six. So I was able to have like six nominations in a row instead of having to wait every other. And I was able to, you know, last guys that I was kind of saving those rookies, you know, the Terrace Marshalls and the, um, I got Trevon Morrig and, and, you know, John and Davis, some of the rookies that I liked, I was able to get them cheap before they could hit free agency um, and able to use those nominations for, for, for that reason. Cause some yeah. people were done bidding at that point. 
And you know what is another just nice wrinkle to that? So you did that, and that's obviously a great strategy, and it worked out, and other people wanted it. But at the same time, some people could try and acquire guys, not nominate them, and then in our first silent auction, there is no cap on contracts. So if you want, if there's rookies out there right now who are not on a roster, you can give them a five-year deal. If there's 2018 guys, you can give them a five-year deal. So you could have gone the opposite direction and said, I don't want these guys to get nominated because I want to try and get one more year when we have our first silent auction. And again, you have a perfect strategy that is super sound, but it's not the only strategy. There's ways to go in the other direction that are totally sound as well, and that's what makes this type of league so great. Absolutely. So everyone, thanks for watching. Uh, again, you should try Contract Dynasty Leagues. James and I have already talked about possibly doing a, a champions-only uh, Contract Dynasty League where you have to literally submit a, a championship resume to actually be in the league. A 2020, not a, not a 1976 championship, 2020 championship to be in this league, a league of champions. Um, things like that. I mean, there's gonna be a lot of different things coming out, but James does a great job running the league. It was a lot of fun. He was very oh, yeah. patient with, um, guys like me who were like, what, what's the rule? What? All you know, 12 like, of us. Yeah. So, um, you know, if James does another one and you get invited, you should take it. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, and if you're not able to join one of his leagues, um, join, join another one contract dynasty is, is definitely the new one of the new waves, um, and then tying that with Superflex and IDP. It was just a lot of fun. All right, guys. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow.